This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I am sheltering in place remote with my friend, Frank Lawrence, Little Rock Athletic Club, LRAC. Welcome to the show. I'm excited. Long time coming. Thanks, Pete. Glad to be here. Excited to be here and uh, look forward to spending a few minutes with you. Yeah. So so you come from an interesting background, kind of reinventing yourself. Uh, so why don't you give your... Uh, your personal background so people that are doing banking and finance know that they can end up uh, working in the halo sector one day. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of typical all American kid grew up in the South, grew up in Arkansas and uh, went along the path of uh, uh, community banking, commercial banking, mortgage banking. So I started really when I was in high school on a banking career and uh, learned it from the inside out and uh, did all types of, of banking and, really spent 25 plus, almost 30 years in that industry. Uh, got involved in the fitness sector uh, probably about 10 years ago, kind of as a, as a profession. And I've uh, been in my current role as a, a partner and CEO in the uh, Little Rock Athletic Centers, you know, the last almost eight years now. So, um, so, so like me, uh, you know, starting off in banking and, and spreadsheets and compound annual growth rates when you got into the industry and understood that, wow, there's a lot of moving pieces here to actually generate that, uh, that Excel model or that monthly budget. So you know, what are some of the things that you learned early on when you got into this industry to change your own personal lens or maybe attention to detail or appreciation for what operations is versus finance? Yeah, you know, again, as I, growing up as a community banker, commercial lender, mortgage lender, you know, you were you were a part of the community. You were partners in all types of businesses. So uh, I kind of like to say one of the things I, I describe myself as I'm a pretty good generalist. I knew a little bit about a lot of things because I partnered with a lot of local businesses. Uh, and, and knew kind of how businesses ran. Um, I grew up when I got into the banking industry, I was back when the savings and loan world was crashing. And so I was traveling around the country buying loan pools, looking at loan files, underwriting those credits and stuff back then. So I was able to learn and have that, that broad base. All of that translated perfectly uh, into running a business, right? Now, all of a sudden, I'm in a large multi-purpose health club. I'm running, uh, you know, probably 14, 15, maybe more different businesses inside this organization. And you can look at all those and you draw on all those experiences kind of from my banking background uh, that, that helps in that day-to-day operation. So, so with Little Rock Athletic Club, you guys have been fixtures in the community and have, you know, big, big locations with the, you know, multi-sport and group X and PT and spa and everything else. You know, how over the last, you know, five to 10 years or so, when you look at some of the business models that have come out, whether it's, you know, okay, I can run kind of a laundromat and I can put, you know, 300 pieces of equipment. Oh, by the way, I have the same equipment that they do. Um, And, or I could go and reinvest in my group exercise program. And oh, by the way, these are just as good as better and a better value. When you look at it, how have you, you know, had not the, the urge to kind of be something or try something that you're not, and yeah. also the fortitude to say, hey, look, I know I'm right, but I might not look right right now, but at some point I always look right. Yeah. You know, so how did maybe talk us through that? 
Yeah, you know, we 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 went eight years ago, basically when we kind of came in um, and, and took over the business. By the way, by our previous owner had started these. He's still uh, kind of a mentor to me and somewhat silently involved. So his vision, values, and all of that, we kind of dusted those off the shelf and did a a new kind of rebranding. But really, our core principles is that we're a platform for a life well lived, right? That's a broad, ambiguous statement. But you, you start to break that down. Our clubs, we have four pillars, tennis, swimming, fitness, and then family. And, you know, being a big multi-purpose facility, you're always trying to be relevant. You're always trying to reinvent uh, yourselves. So yes, we just, as you described earlier, we were redoing our group X, trying to be relevant to all of the competitions from the boutiques out there. And I think for the most part, we did a good job of that and still are. I think our value uh, obviously is much better. I mean, our membership prices are less than you're paying at the boutiques and you're getting that experience plus all the other amenities and all the other assets to it. So we were doing all of those things, but really, I think at the end of the day, the, the thing that we talk about is that we're this community. We, we give you this platform and we're connecting hundreds and hundreds of different communities, whether it's, you know, I got to play pickleball today at lunch, right? So I played pickleball with some guys. I played tennis yesterday at lunch with some guys, whether I'm doing group X, whether I'm doing CrossFit, whether I'm doing swimming, you're just connecting all these little communities on this platform. Great, and, I, and I've been through the location, so congrats on, on what you built and, and maintained there. You know, when you talk about um, the communities and you talk about, you know, whether you were doing uh, customer research by your pickleball and tennis activities or just like, hey, that's what I wanted to do today, yeah. which I'm sure might be a little bit of both. You know, how much I know you spend a significant amount of personal time inside the facility, so how. Uh, you know, you're one of these guys that yeah, I, you look at the data, but you're actually listening to what people are saying. Can you give us a little bit of dose of reality on like what it takes to understand the pulse of a facility versus the data? Because I feel like a lot of people come to us and like slice and dice data, and I just get crazy. It gets me crazy because I'm like, if you just actually sat there for a couple of days, like you would actually get even better data because like you set you you'd feel it not yeah. just like look at it. So maybe spend a minute on that. Cause I know you're a guy who, who's looking for looking to find things out. Yeah, no, I mean, as you know, and, and Pete, you've met a few of my partners and they're investment banking guys. And, and I love all you investment banking guys. Cause you love to, the love to operate off the spreadsheet, right? And the data, the data is great, but to your point, you got to live it. And uh, for me, the way I do that's I do get involved, right? I mean, yes, I did want to play pickleball at lunch, but it's about, doing it, listening, being involved in developing those relationships with my members. And I do that A, in the clubs, and then B, I do it outside the clubs in my community. And then again, as I travel around and do things, I go experience all these things, try to listen, try to understand, and look at all of those things from the member perspective. And I think that's probably, you know, if there's a secret sauce to kind of how I run the clubs day to day, it is being very active. And as I walk into the club every day, I'm looking at it as a member and I'm looking at it as a member the first time I walk into the club, 
what's that member going to experience? What are they thinking about? What are they seeing? And then you're always tinkering and you're always trying to make it better uh, from a member experience. And I think that's, I think you do that differently than you are just operating from the spreadsheet. It's easy to just say, hey, you need to reduce costs and slice costs, or you need to, you know, drive this revenue number differently. But when you understand the stories behind the data, you're going to operate a little differently, I think. Yeah, great. I'm glad to hear that. You know, as you look through when you got shut down for COVID, like everyone else, did you come up with a hit list of not just here's what we should be doing from a health and safety standpoint, but, you know, maybe it also gave you some time to reflect on you know, what's our processes and procedures and why are we doing certain things? I felt in my life, I actually like was able to hit the pause button for a second yeah. and try and just figure out what's my return on time. You know, where am I going too deep? Where am I not going deep enough? So how did you kind of think through and say, I'm coming out of this, you know, but it's not just like with like some PPE and some Purell. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, look, yeah, I think it, you go through all those waves of emotion of, of doing it, but it, you know, thinking back to when we were shutting down, first thing obviously was how you're taking care of members, how you're taking care of staff. You kind of got through the shutdown process and then it was, and again, you had no clue how long we, you were going to be closed. Fortunately for us, we were not closed very long. I know I still have clubs in, in your world in New York that are not open yet. You know, that, you know, uh, I heard a, a, a gentleman earlier today, he's going to end up being closed five, maybe six months before he's able to reopen. And so fortunately, we weren't closed very long, but you immediately turn to how are you going to how are you going to reopen? What's it going to look like? What's not going to reopen? And the thing I really challenged our team with was, man, we're starting fresh. You know, we got to really look at this almost as starting a new business. Yes, we have these existing members, but, uh, you know, what are we going to do different from all of our processes? You know, check-ins, uh, you know, we're not going to tell it's going to be touchless, right? And then how do you make it as, as frictionless as possible? There are businesses that we haven't brought back online, such as our restaurant, and uh, because it wasn't profitable for us, and we may not bring it back for, for a long time, if ever. So we looked throughout the whole organization and, and tried to get efficient and, and uh, shut, shut things down that really weren't making us money or driving, driving revenues. Guys, you kind of take your crystal ball and fast forward, and let's say we're in this predicament in one way or the other over the next year dc to any emergence of potentially you know boutiques coming inside of of an lrac or maybe a, a lead instructor that's that's at a boutique that might say hey look let me bring my member base over i feel like you're now finally kind of pick up where i started the podcast you're finally in a position where all this square footage is now an asset and not viewed as a liability in, in any means, whether it's, you know, fire capacity code or ability to, you know, just program and program. Yeah, look, I think, yeah, and we, we looked at some of those things pre-COVID, experimented occasionally with a few of those things. And so there may be some opportunities like that. We are going to see competitors go out of business from a boutique standpoint, as well as bigger operators, even in our market. And, and so there may be some opportunities. I do think our square footage is a, is an advantage. Uh, as you know, you've been to our facility. We've got a couple of big basketball courts right in the center of our club. And we have used them uh, in the past for Group X. But I can tell you right now, we're probably running 75% of our group exercise classes out on that floor because we can spread people out, keep them safe. And uh, that's allowing us to do classes, whereas 
our boutique competitors, for instance, they can only have five, maybe 10 people in a class at a time. We can, we can spread 20 people out if we need to on the basketball court. So it, it, the square footage is going to present some opportunities for us. And I think they're going to be some, some things in the marketplace that present some opportunities going forward. Mm-hmm. And then from a standpoint of kind of going outside of the four walls of the club, um, have you been doing that as a concerted effort? Have you also been given some, you know, rope, if you will, to instructors to, you know, do their own Instagram live or do their own events, but have enough loyalty to know that that's a bridge to your member and not a potential guardrail against, you know, who your member's loyalty is to? Yeah, I think uh, obviously like most clubs, I think most of my peers that I know that I talked to were in the same boat as we all talked about having this virtual uh, membership, having this kind of non-access membership and streaming data, streaming classes and things. We never did that really very well before COVID and we immediately pivoted. Uh, We're still not doing it great, but that will become a big part of our business plan going forward. Uh, we, we have a new app that's probably going to launch in about two weeks that that will be on there and, uh, add value to our membership. And yes, our instructors, uh, you know, through the shutdown, we're coming in, doing those classes, being a part of that. They were promoting on their own social medias, et cetera. But we, we were able to keep the instructors and our members pretty tied to the club in that process. And I think the virtual world going forward, that will continue to be a big part of our business. Right. And from a standpoint of, of members and, and safety and appreciation for you guys actually opening, you know, what, 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 what are you hearing, you know, from a standpoint of concerns about safety inside of the club or this whole indoor outdoor, yeah. you know, what, what's your, which, you know, how, how do you kind of sum that up? Yeah, I think, you know, look, I think there's, there's a, a large group of members that are still very fearful of coming in, um, you know, the news in our world currently today still of the numbers are high in our areas. Uh, so I think rightly so they're concerned and, and not necessarily coming in, but the people that are coming in using the club uh, are, we're getting tremendous feedback on kind of our processes, our protocol for keeping them safe for cleaning and sanitizing. And uh, again, we're seeing a lot of new joins as well o- over that. And um, there is a big group of people that are excited to come back and as I suspect all of us have experienced these, the, the Zoom calls and the, the virtual uh, connection has been great, but we're, we're humans and we desire that social uh, connection and physical connection. Even if you can't touch, you can be close and connect face to face. And that's important. So we, it's been great feedback from our members thus far. Yeah, I was at a uh, Clinton Health Matters conference a couple of years ago and they asked the uh, CEO of Humana, what the biggest issue is in the healthcare industry. And he said, loneliness. Yeah. It's yeah. like, we could solve loneliness and just get people to, to engage, you know, we're a bunch of social animals that are not made for, uh, you know, just Grubhub and, uh, and a Peloton machine. You yeah. Know? We're, we're, we're more, we're more connected today than ever before in, in, um, in human society, but yet we're more isolated today than ever before. Uh, and COVID is only, um, you know, 
made that worse, right? And so um, having that physical connection, and I think that's what we as our organization, we provide uh, from a local standpoint is that local gathering place where people can physically connect. And I think that's that's critical. And I think that's been part of our secret to success in the past. And I think it's going to be key to our success in the future. So last couple of questions. Um, One is, do you feel like with COVID that it actually, I feel, I'll tell you what I feel, and we'll go to get to you since you're the the guest on the show. But I feel like it's actually given me like a time to pause and breathe and figure out, okay, what do I want to do next? And maybe the next X number of years could be a marathon and not a sprint. And I feel like before COVID, we had got ourselves as an industry with capital coming in with acquisitions, new locations, you know, all you could think about was growth and you almost forgot about what do I actually want to do today and can I make money doing it? It's almost like you were forced by other factors to become something bigger, but maybe as big as you were was what you wanted it to be to begin with. And it's fine. So has that, have you felt that way or gone through that cycle? Yeah, I think, I think definitely. And, you know, I was probably, I was not uh, like a lot of your clients necessarily. I, we were not, we were a, a, a buy this organization, hold it, operate it type mentality, right? So we were not growing through acquisition or through de novo type activities. We were just trying to operate a great business and, and keep it relevant for the future. But the same holds true is that when COVID hit, you know, it, it, hit the pause button. We were able to reevaluate ourselves. And um, again, when I look into the future, I, I see us coming out of this stronger uh, than ever before. And I see us, uh, you know, really um, uh, thriving. Um, it, it may take a year or two years or beyond, but I can see us really gaining more market share um, in, in the long run because of this. And uh, so that's exciting. You know, personally, this was really uh, I probably worked harder in these last, uh, you know, 120 days than I have in my entire career. And it's been an emotional roller coaster, but it's been energizing in a lot of ways as well. So that's great. So in closing here, we usually try and collect some quotes from guys like you that have been in the trenches and seen it all. So you got any quotes that are uh, Lawrenceisms or any uh, anything that comes to mind? Man, I, I got I've got lots of quotes. My family tell you I have lots of stupid sayings, so uh, I'll, I'll throw a few out there. Look, I, I, one of the mantras I have in life, and this has probably been very common or or, or uh, top of mind in in uh, COVID world, is this uh, RFP, uh, relentless forward pursuit. And you know, as we've gone through COVID, and and you, you have all these unknowns, and you still have all these tremendous unknowns. And it's like, gosh, how are we going to get through this? And the reality is, man, it's one step at a time. Make the best decision you can make with the data that you have at the moment and just keep moving. And if you do that, then I think most things are going to work out. And, you know, one of the things I love to do, Pete, is I do this thing called a burpee test every now and then. And it's 100 burpees as fast as you can do it. (laughs) And um, when you think about it, you think, oh, I can do 100 burpees. And then you start doing those burpees and you get about 10 in and you're like, oh my gosh, what in the hell is going on here? And about 50 in, you're a total wreck. And again, how do you get through it? You just got to keep repping them one at a time 
until you get through those hundred. And it's, it's an interesting test. And so uh, I don't know if that's a quote, but maybe that's a good takeaway. What's your, what's your hourly best on that? How many my, minutes? My, my best is six minutes and 43 seconds is my wow. best. So I think uh, I, if I was me, I would take the over. I don't <laughs> think I'm, I don't think I'm beating that on a burpee. It's uh yeah, and that, by the way, that's chest deck burpee. Sorry. So that's all the way to the ground. And oh, are you trying to say I'm not gonna mechanically do it correctly? No, no, Is that I'm what just you're saying there's, there, there's some different interpretations of burpees <laughs> out there. Now we do say you can do the Phil Mickelson credit card jump at the end, but you gotta at least get the credit card jump off the ground. So all right. So Gannelin, make sure on uh Frank's caricature we got like a uh like the mechanics of doing a technical burpee. In the uh, yeah, no problem, like a little bit like a side <laughs> window that only like the three of us will know what that symbol is. <laughs> be perfect. All right, man. Well, I'm glad things are going well, and uh, look forward to catching up in person. If there's anything we can do to be helpful over the next couple of months, let us know. We're gonna we're gonna kind of keep our head down and wait until everything kind of comes together before we start bringing more capital into the space because uh, I think people need to digest. And see that we're going to come out the other side here before they, uh, you know, put out some proposals that we might view as disingenuous to our <laughs> to our collective life's work. Well, hey, I appreciate all you you guys do for the the industry and uh, in general. So thanks. Keep keep pumping it out there, and anything we can do to help, just let us know. Awesome. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, buddy. Take see care. you guys. Later. Bye. Give a shout out to my good friends at LassoGear.com, L-A-S-S-O-G-E-A-R.com. I want to give you 20% off using the code Halo Talks on the best compression socks on the planet. I've been using them during the pandemic. My field goal kicking is further and stronger than it's ever been. Check out these socks. You'll love them. They got an L and an R to make it easy to put on each foot. Enjoy it. Trust me, you'll love them.